0: Love, talk Radio.
1: Good morning, and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show, I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is Terry Morrow, my co host. Hi, Terry.
2: Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education. And I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, uh, nor is the chat room open. We're just being unfriendly and cold to you today. You just have to listen to us talk. And, frankly, you probably don't really want to talk to me because I've been having one of those weeks. If you go onto my com site this week, um, you'll notice things about tantrums and frustration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I had that. myself a knockdown, down drag-out tantrum this weekend, and it was just one of those awful things where you realize afterwards that you've said things that are going to reverberate in your kids for weeks Uh-oh. and weeks. <laughs> <laughs> can we just rewind that tape, and can I handle that stress a whole lot better? Uh, yeah. You know, I did take a walk when I felt it was building, and then I came home and I flew up. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, lots of frustrations. It's that time of year, I think, for a lot of us where, you know, the school homework is starting to get harder. You know, it's starting to get serious now. You're out of the sort of welcome back phase. And then... Holidays are coming, and those can be very stressful, and just anticipating them can be stressful, and realizing that you're going to have to figure out how to be with extended family is stressful. Mm. So it's like this perfect little storm of things coming at you from all sides. So if anybody else out there is feeling a very loose grip on themselves this week, <laughs> you have my sympathies. And and stop by my site and, and uh, read my blog posts, and maybe you can get some advice that would help.
1: How has your week been, Nicole? Well, I think I'll be stopping by your site now that you've mentioned it because it <laughs> sounds like I've had a similar week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, talk about, you know, really we are going through the same thing as you with the frustration of homework and the reality that we are in the school year and we still have all these months to go, and how on earth are we going to do that? <laughs> I just, yeah. I, you know, I may be the only adult, that I know of that is actually looking forward to Christmas because that means we all get a 3 week break from homework and school yes. and stress so and and that to me seems a lot better than having to deal with Christmas itself so yes <laughs> Yeah, you know. Oh, you know when the kids are little irruptible. you
2: dread those Christmas vacations because they're underfoot and then as mm-hmm. they get older it's like, "Oh my gosh, it's a vacation for all of us."
1: <laughs> we don't have yeah, to worry about truly. Call truly to the it. Yeah, truly. It's We
2: don't have to worry about homework. We don't have to worry about getting them together every day.
1: just Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it truly is. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I th- I I can relate, Terry. I'm feeling the same way today <laughs> and I'm I am uh i am actually really looking forward to interviewing our guests today because I'm hoping I'll pick up some tips myself on how to get through the chaos of uh, after school and homework and just, you know, executive functioning is such a huge issue in um, our life and, you know, I just, I struggle every day to try and keep on track and and keep trying to keep up with those lists and those checklists Mm -hmm. and (laughs) the the, the little things that I think work for uh, my kids, but it's hard to do that, and, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing um, what our guest has to say and see if we've got any new tips, from which I'm sure she does, because we are talking with Dr. Joyce Cooper-Kahn today about helping children who, um, like I just mentioned, are forever losing pencils, late to class, disorganized, chaotic, <laughs> looking for homework <laughs> papers, you know, that whole kind of, oh, uh, that... that, that Busyness and just sort of, you know, unpreparedness that sometimes we see in kids and adults. So yes, um, and I know that uh, Dr. Cooper Khan is uh, a very, um, a very experienced professional with executive functioning, and she has co-authored several books related to it. One of them is Late Lost and Unprepared, which is uh, a recent book that she has co-authored. And we are looking forward to hearing what she has to say this morning. Good morning, jo- good Joyce. Good morning. How are you? Thank you. It's
0: good to be here. Thank you.
1: I forgot to introduce you with your first name as well. Joyce Cooper um is your first name, and we are happy to have you here. And um, looking forward to to learning more about executive functioning skills, which professionals give that you know that term to those overall skills that help us get through every day. And, so I'm just wondering if you can give us a more that was sort of my brief definition of what executive functioning is, but <laughs> That was a lovely function definition. <laughs> yeah. That was a lovely
0: definition. You've got it down. Um when what, we what talk that, yeah, talk, what
1: does it, when look we like, talk, what
0: it? Like, Well, you know, when we talk about executive functioning it's uh we're thinking about those supervisory skills. So um the things that help us to manage Thinking, behavior, routines, Um, it's those operations that help us direct and coordinate our efforts to reach a goal. So maybe the goal is getting all your stuff to school in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, a more complex task might be getting the long-term project done. But all of those things are collectively known as executive skills and are – processing uh in order to get ourselves lined up and to be at our long term goal when we need to be there.
1: Right. And who are the students or the children that are having trouble with these executive functioning skills? Even the adults I would venture to say. But there are you know, when, a lot
0: of adults too, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So in a in a classroom setting, for example, you know, who are those kids that seemingly you know, have the trouble with these skills?
0: Well, you're going to find, of course, that there's a certain number of, you know, garden variety poor organizers, poor study skills. You know how we used to talk about there being kids with reading disorders that had nothing identifiable as a learning disability. We called them garden variety poor readers. Well, Mm -hmm. we have garden variety poor organizers, too, Um, poor self-managers managing either their thinking or their behavior. But there are also clusters of kids that will be in all of our classrooms that have more trouble um, based on the neurological wiring. So ADHD Mm -hmm. kids, um, kids who are on the autism spectrum. Those are kids that are going to have a lot of trouble with executive functioning. But then there are also both a number of, you know, less uh, frequent sorts of um, disorders, Tourette's, um, and uh, psychiatric disorders. And then there's the kids who have a lot of anxiety or depression, either uh, chronic or acute anxiety or depression, and that just interferes with executive functioning, and sometimes we forget about that. So, you know, Mm -hmm. even the kids who have long-term stress um, and, you know, the example of the adults having tantrums is, you know, under Mm -hmm. stress. We're all all more likely to do things that are not planful and thoughtful. Um, And um, also, though, you know, in inclusive classrooms, a lot of times what we find is that Kids have been, you know, just bullied or rejected in some way that raises their anxiety, and that shuts off their those higher-level executive functions. So right. um, there's a, a large group of kids that are vulnerable to weak executive functions. It incorporates a lot of kids. There are some kids, though, that, you know, we see from early on are just, having trouble putting all the pieces together.
1: Mm -hmm,
0: You know, others you don't see until it gets to more complex, higher level. But, you know, if you think, for instance, about that ADHD population, some of those kids we know Mm -hmm. from the research are as much as three to five years delayed in the development of the parts of the brain that affect executive functioning.
1: Wow. And that's very significant when you're talking about, you know a classroom of children who are chronologically the same age and and I know from a teacher's perspective when you look at your classroom say for example of grade 3 students and you know that they're all roughly around the same age and you would expect that the developmental milestones are within the same range mm-hmm. however when you have a child with ADHD for example there are certain aspects of their development that does that is delayed, or that is, they haven't met that milestone yet. So, and it's, you know, you can see that academically sometimes, but you also need to remember that it also affects their executive functioning skills and social skills in some cases. So, that's a really good reminder for educators. And it is, and, you know, as
0: educators, You know, the goal is always to help a child become more independent, and it can be very frustrating because if you think three to five years, you may put great interventions in place to Mm -hmm. support the child, but you're not going to see the child get independent on those behaviors because that's going to happen, you know, in somebody else's Mm -hmm. classroom. And, And teachers start feeling either helpless or what they're doing isn't working and or they start blaming the child because if they really wanted to they should be able to do it.
1: So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, yeah.
0: you know, this takes time. This is neurological development in mm-hmm. combination with instruction. Right. If neurological development is delayed, there's going to be a, a certain amount of time that it takes to mature. And any of us who have raised or are raising kids with weak executive functioning, I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you that neurological development is a beautiful thing.
2: It is, <laughs> you know. It's, it's so great when we can wait for that and know that it's coming but provide the supports that the kid needs in the moment. This thing yep. of, of independence, you know, my my uh, son just started college, so I've been, he's been through high school and there was constantly the push to, you know, promote independence, but neurologically he's not ready for that. You know, you no. give him as much independence as he can safely handle, and then you provide a good safety net underneath that. You know, a lot of the times these kids with executive function, they're really simple things you can do for them, but educators or parents don't want to do it because, oh, they got to learn to be independent. Well, you know, you wouldn't say, yeah, my toddler should learn how to drive a car because she's going to have to do that eventually. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. this is what's safe and reasonable now, and we work towards the thing in the future. So hopefully as awareness of executive function and awareness of developmental differences grows, you know, there can be a little more leeway on that stuff.
0: Absolutely, and it, you know, it's that's a, a great way to introduce talking about what we do for kids because it's mm-hmm. all about assessing what the individual skills are right now, assessing right. what the task demands, and then the mm-hmm. interventions are those things that bridge the gap for them right. and with the overall goal of continuously looking at and trying, you know, can I back off of this? What happens when I back off? If the student Mm -hmm. can pick up um, the pieces, great. That's one step Mm -hmm. less I do. Um, But if not, then you just move back in. That's just Mm -hmm, a sign, okay, they're not ready yet.
1: And that's how I feel, you know, our homework time is after school is that, You know, I feel that oh, okay, great, we're getting somewhere. You know, things are going well. She can independently, you know, pull out her homework and get started. And then I sort of back off, and then all of a sudden, everything starts starts to fall apart. (laughs) Exactly, and you (laughs) go, oh no, (laughs) yeah,
0: exactly. And so, what you do for that is what we're trying to do for these kids is uh, remember that they don't um, have the templates and the planning and the procedures in their head that it Mm -hmm. takes to reach the goal. So we have to externalize that and give them templates, even if they need it for something as simple as how do you assess your homework, get through your homework, make sure Mm -hmm. you have everything back with you to go to the teacher the next day. So you can make lists. You know, here's step one, step two, step three. And Mm -hmm. so rather than prodding people all the time, you can make it one step slightly more independent by saying, have you looked at the checklist? Have you done mm-hmm. the first thing on the list yet? Yeah. yeah, And and then, you know, what happens eventually is that the person starts thinking in terms of the list when they think, oh, it's homework time. They, If, if you've made it very clear and crisp and not too complex, okay, there are, you know, seven steps and I, yeah. you know, have I done everything on the list? So mm-hmm. you start opening up those templates in your head rather than having to have them written down for the rest of your yes. life.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and and I, I that sort of just brings me to a quick uh, story because I can relate to that. My daughter, um, as I mentioned, has issues with executive functioning, and. From a very young age, you know, I'm trying to get her to dress independently, brush her teeth independently, you know, brush her hair when she's getting ready for school. And so I would always say, you know, have you you brushed your hair, brushed your teeth, washed your face? And, you know, I still hear her reciting those three things in her head (laughs) (laughs) ten years later, (laughs) you know. I'm going that. through that little checklist. You know, have I done this? Have I done that? Done that? Yep. Check. Okay. Good. <laughs>
0: Which is so. why we want to really simplify the language we mm-hmm. use with kids, because you know, one of the issues with executive functioning is ha- having that scratch pad of working memory that you can mm-hmm. keep the things on your scratch pad continuously. Assess. Do I? You know, do I have them done? take in incoming information, is there something different I need to be doing? And you want to keep those chunks of information small. So what we usually do as parents is say, I need you to go upstairs and get your hat and your shoes because then we have to go <laughs> yeah. to the library. And if we don't get to the library on time, we can't get your brother from soccer. And then remember what happened last week. And meanwhile, the kid is standing there scratching their head, you know. Yeah. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you can make it fun and simple, hat, clothes, shoes, cha-cha-cha, mm-hmm. hat, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, and then... When they go to remember it, it's so much easier. You know? It is, so, it is. So, and,
2: uh, yeah. You always oh. have to laugh when, when people will say, well, you know, they have to learn how to do this stuff because, you know, in the real world you don't get that kind of support. But, you know, you've got to look at the personal organizer market, how many yeah. oh, expensive yeah. systems there are for doing exactly what you just described, breaking mm-hmm. down things into chunks, making lists for yourself. Adults use this stuff all the time. But Absolutely. it's like if, if kids are doing it, well, no, no, they have to learn how to do things completely. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's misleading so. because when development of executive functions goes well, we don't do a lot for it. It's the natural mm-hmm. unfolding in combination with those just sort of life experiences and a, a little bit of prodding in the background, you know, and yeah. nudging from parents. And, and so we don't have to teach it. So we think, oh, you should just be able to do this. But that's Mm -hmm. such a huge just for kids who don't have the skill, you know. So the thing that we sometimes forget is if you have trouble planning and organizing, then it's going to affect everything from getting your suitcase packed to go visit grandma to your backpack to your long-term projects. Right, right. And kids need models for all of those, and the research shows that one of the most effective things we can do as parents and teachers is take the time to sit and talk about the process with kids, help them choose a way to monitor a template, a visual web, whatever they're going to use, and then keep coming back to it with them. How is that going? And help them revise it.
2: But in that very simple language, it's appropriate for wherever they are developmentally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if I if I say the word template, the screen comes down across my kids' face. <laughs> it's like, that's it. <laughs>
0: I know. Yeah, but so you can just make, call it a plan. That's Don't
2: right. You? That's right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, or
2: what? Yeah. Go, keep going. Nope. That's it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that was my <laughs> sentence. Well, I was I was going to ask what what we can do to help children who have weakest executive functioning. We just mentioned a couple of those things. Are there other things that you would recommend for for parents to do at home?
0: Well, you know, the most important thing, I think, is that whole, um, you know, what we call formally a task analysis. But, you know, if you think about the number of steps that goes into the things that we all do, And too often the way we approach it is sort of like a test. Either you made it to the end and you did well or you didn't, Uh Uh as opposed to, wow, that's really great. You got your teeth brushed and I see you have your socks in your hand Uh now. um, I think there are 47 other steps on the checklist that you still need to do. Can't get (laughs) started on those. Um, But but what happens is instead, you know, we – We say to a kid, I can't believe you did this again, and, oh, forget it. And Mm -hmm. so then we have just discouraged all of the things that they have done, and we have denied their wish to do well, which has nothing to do sometimes with actually doing well. So I think, you know, I like to think of it in terms of building chains of behavior, and the intervention always has to be at the point of performance and generally mm-hmm. at the point of failure. So if you have gotten down the first three steps out of seven, then the mm-hmm. goal is to get four the next day. Yeah. Okay. And so we're trying to to help our kids build chains of behavior, acknowledge what they are doing, give them lots of kudos for that, and mm-hmm. then it is a teaching and sort of a coaching model, right. not, not a police model. Yes.
2: Um, do you do you talk about uh backward chaining also um so that if there's a if if it's a process that you're doing like making your bed mm-hmm. that you've broken down into steps you know you can help them do it up until the last one so that they do the last one successfully and they are always ending on an experience of success and then you work backwards
0: I love um, that no, I haven't talked about it with this, but that's that I love that idea
2: yeah and I, I, I really it's been nice very useful to think in that way, so that instead mm-hmm. of starting and then oh okay, I'll finish that for you. You let them finish it and then you
0: work backwards. And I love the idea of doing with kids rather than for mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or telling them, you figure this out. So <laughs> yeah. if a child that's having that much trouble getting through the process, what's it, one of the reasons why it's so exhausting as a parent or a teacher is that it requires mm-hmm. you to yeah. go through it with them. So,
2: yeah.
0: um, you know, uh, that whole... Model that we used to work from, which is you're going to sit in that chair till you get it done, um, right? Is <laughs> such a problem for these kids.
2: <laughs> and, and how do we how do we get that message out to teachers? I remember I was uh, tutoring a kid at the, my kid's middle school, and you know he his problem was that he never turned his homework in. And He and I worked together on a project. He was he got really into it. He got really excited with it. He finished it. He was going to go from where I was to go turn it in, but for some reason he didn't turn it in on time, and the teacher gave him enough. And I said, well, he did it. Can you, you know, it was clearly an executive function thing that he had been late to class or he left it in his locker or he had done something, but this teacher was, no, he has to learn. You know, you have to do things the right way. And that seemed to me such a missed opportunity to give this kid some success. And clearly the fact that the kid might be able to do the work but not, make that last step, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to, and it doesn't mean that he can It means that you have to help him with that part. Well, uh, uh, first of all, yeah, when when we have
0: kids that are on formal plans, IEPs or 504 plans, mm-hmm. it's easy to build that in, yeah. by You know, putting in the, you know, the standard and then um, having short-term objectives that have to do with doing it with support. Um, right. But I find that one of the things that works with teachers sometimes is to have them understand it as an interim step. So, yeah. you know, obviously that we do not want him to be turning in his projects late always, but right. I think that if we do this in graded steps that maybe we'll see some improvement on this. So how about mm-hmm. if we have a short-term objective of
2: right. um,
0: him turning it in, um, just getting it to you, and if he does we only take 5% off his grade.
2: Right. And
0: and then gradually, yes, we'll expect more and we'll dock him more, but we don't know whether that gradual is going to be this year or next Mm -hmm. year or the following year um, or where it reaches it. But I, I do think it's a really hard issue, and it helps teachers sometimes, if we can explain it as, you know, start first with where they are. I get right. it. None of us want him to end up with this being his yes. final performance ever. <laughs> However, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if if we can see this as a weakness the same way some kids have reading weaknesses, then could we build in right. a goal
1: mm-hmm, and, right?
0: and think about how we're going to help him achieve that?
2: Yeah. And as soon
0: as he's there, I say, let's bump up the goal
2: absolutely but if you just say black and white you shut the door and then he's never going to bother to do anything again
0: (laughs) well you just you know the the principles of good solid behavior management are anything Mm -hmm. followed by a positive is more likely to recur and followed by negative it's not so here's this child who has just navigated the whole process completed the project and Mm -hmm. then all he gets back is negative yeah so It makes it less likely that he's going to continue trying. If that happens enough times, then you get that phenomenon that we call learned helplessness.
2: Yes. Because nothing
0: he does makes a difference.
2: Yes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's really important that these kids get encouragement, even though, you know, they're falling short of where we want them to be.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing it it as a, a, a neurological difference rather than a willful behavior. Uh, yeah. Is really helpful. I mean, and it's yeah. hard for some, certainly with some kids, it is a willful behavior. But oftentimes you can get a sense with a kid that this is somebody who wants to try. <laughs> can yeah. Can give them the benefit of the doubt? Well, you know, or, it's you a know, generic symptom.
0: You know, there are some kids yeah. who don't turn it in because they haven't done it and they don't want to. And they don't care. Yeah, right. Although we have to be careful about that whole motivational thing too, because mm-hmm. you know we we obviously we don't have time to go into today. But there's great research that looks at how the motivation system of the brain works differently in the ADHD population, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, but all of those things aside, there is never a time that encouragement is not helpful to someone. Right. So yeah. we might as well do those generic things. What Mm -hmm. have you done, and perhaps you could come after class and work on this more, and I can help you with it.
2: Yes. -hmm. And
0: you'll find out from offering those things whether the person is motivated to work with you or not. So why not offer it, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Do you have any resources that you would recommend for our audience, either for parents dealing with this or for parents to pass on to teachers to uh, say, yes, this is a real thing?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There At this point, there are some really good books out there. I obviously love my books. That's why I wrote them. <laughs> I, have
2: to, I have to tell you, when, right after your book came out, I was I had a copy of it to, to write a book review on it for my site, and I was speaking at a uh, CHAD meeting, and, mm. and somebody mentioned, there's this new book out about executive function, and this vibration went around the room. Everybody was so excited about it. Uh, so you made it you know, I'm sure you you've heard that feedback too from from people, but a lot of ADHD parents were really, really waiting for
0: that book. I know, yeah. so was I. I that was, <laughs> I wrote the book that I wish I had had when I was raising my son. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm glad that it's hit people well. We have another book coming out for teachers. It'll be out in January called Boosting Executive. Um, skills in the classroom oh,
2: and and, good, and
0: right. then the books by yeah. Dawson and Guare also I like a lot too um, they're, they're, the procedures they describe are sometimes a little complex but if you take a moment to just read through them they're very logical they make a lot of sense and they have great ideas in them so I think those are really helpful and they have a book on for parents they have books for teachers they have a book for coaches so um it's a nice series of books.
2: That's great. And do you have a website that people can go to?
0: I do. Um I it is uh um well there's two of them. One is Late Lost and dot com and the other one is uh P R A for Psychological Resource Associates. Mm-hmm. P R A infocom Okay.
2: And are you on uh, Twitter? I am not. I've got more, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I you know, uh same
0: reason so many people are having trouble balancing all of the incoming stuff you know i'm like oh no not another thing i have to pay attention to <laughs>
2: that's true that's a that's a good point to end our conversation because yes i agree <laughs> there's such an overload with all this social media stuff it's, it's hard to it's hard to keep track <laughs> organize that in an executive functioning sort of way uh joy mm-hmm. thank you so much for being our guest today yeah, and i'd like well, to thank, thank our you. listeners for tuning into our program this morning Uh, Join us again next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern. We have a very special event. The inclusive class will be hosting an inclusive education roundtable. This hour-long event will feature seven experts on the topic of inclusion, along with facilitator Lori Hunt. Our panel will discuss what parents can do when schools say no to inclusion. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. You can also find archives. Uh, to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatoo.blogspot.com. Our show is now available on Stitcher and iTunes as a podcast for free download. So uh, have a great week, everybody, and please do come back next Friday. It's going to be a very uh, exciting hour-long show uh, with lots of good uh, information going on there. So uh, goodbye to everybody and have a great week. Goodbye. Thank
1: you.